Hello, this is Coach Tim Campbell, and I'm your host for the Self Made is a Myth, Make a Difference Together show, where we're talking with successful business owners to hear their story of the journey to building their business. And because we know that achieving success in business is not something that we can do on our own, we recognize the folks that have helped us to excel. Today, I'm excited to have a fellow business owner from Pennsylvania with us today. My guest plays adult hockey, which is so cool being a Canadian. So that's awesome. I'm going to ask him a little bit more about that. He loves spending time with his family, and he is most proud of his children, uh, and as well as his father, who immigrated here from the Middle East and built a prosperous life for himself and his family. It is my pleasure to welcome Chris to the show today. Hello, Chris. Hello, good morning. So, hey, um, uh, I'm from Canada originally, so I just love the fact that you play hockey. Tell us a little bit about that. How'd you get into it? Yeah, this is going back from when I was a young lad in my neighborhood. Uh, a couple of the kids in the neighborhood, we just really enjoyed hockey. And there was a, a one driveway that we played religiously. It was, <laughs> even if it was raining, rain or shine, we were playing hockey together. So most of my childhood, I spent playing hockey on rollerblades, roller hockey. And then when I was able to uh, get ice skates and learn how to ice skate, transfer that to the ice. And I, it's a, it's a habit. I haven't been able to kick uh, <laughs> even now. And I'm, I feel like I'm way too old to play the game because now I look at the kids in their, these teenagers or early twenties and yeah. it's, it's as if their body is made of metal. And then I look to the other side and I see a 60 year old guy mm -hmm. that's busting tail. And I say, I guess I don't have anything to complain about. A long, right. A lot of hockey left to play. I hope. <laughs> I love it. Well, Hey, Chris, let's start by uh, having you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit of your personal story, like where you were born, where you live, and about your family. Yeah, so uh, Chris Antipas, I'm a pharmacist, and I currently live in southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, I was born in Ohio, but uh, soon after I was born, my family uh, settled down in southwestern Pennsylvania and grew up in the suburbs of uh, Pittsburgh and ultimately went to college at the University of Pittsburgh uh, and studied pharmacy all along throughout uh, my high school career. And then during college, I, I wanted to be a pharmacist. I worked in a pharmacy and a family owned pharmacy. And I just had a strong desire to follow that path of being uh, an independent pharmacist and to build a business around helping people, taking care of people. And uh, pharmacy had a number of unique qualities that were really appealing. At the time, didn't really know much about business, but I, I live with the philosophy that if all of these other people are doing it, I, I should be able to do it. And uh, so I pursued that professionally. Uh, I have a a couple of siblings, two sisters, an older brother, and uh, very family focused. Our, uh, I'm an Antiochian Orthodox Orthodox Christian. Church is a really important part of uh, of our lives, and that's coming from my father and mother, who uh, made sure. This is going back to the story about hockey. Uh, we, I didn't. I started ice hockey a little bit later because uh, than my friends because. At the early ages, practice was always Sunday morning, 
and Sunday morning was reserved only for church and nothing else. So uh, it's a it was a lesson that I will never forget and really important, I think, to remind me about priorities. But uh, if I'm not working, I'm with my family, either at church or just hanging out, uh, you know, enjoying them growing up and having fun and being goofy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Chris, what's a funny story that your family likes to tell about you that you'd be willing to share with us today? Uh, yeah, the couple that I probably shouldn't share. Uh, <laughs> Those are but, the perfect ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, my family loves to, uh, I, I love to have a good time. I love to joke, but uh, it's fun when I am now a father. I have three kids. Uh, they're young. They're growing. It's 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 an incredible journey, but uh I, I love to complain about how my kids terrorize all of my stuff. And so my family loves to tell stories about how I was a maniac when I was a kid. And especially as we approach Christmas, uh, some of the goofy things I've done and how I would destroy everything, rip into presents. <laughs> and, and they like to show me video evidence of said destruction. So uh, my dad enjoys rubbing that in my face and it yeah. brings me down a few notches from my <laughs> uh, frustration with my own kids <laughs> that's awesome so chris tell us how the business came about and at what time did you have the confidence that you could run your own business yeah so in the pharmacy industry uh being a pharmacy owner it it's it's a really personal decision where people choose to get their medicines the pharmacy industry uh, likes to paint pharmacy as more of a commodity and getting your medications is pretty much like getting anything from a vending machine. Mm. You find one that's the lowest cost or you find it the, a vending machine that's convenient and you just go and get your medications. Working at an independent pharmacy at a young age uh, showed me that Pharmacy is more of a personal and, and, like I said, intimate relationship where it's far more than just convenience, and it's certainly far more than about price. Mm. And so I was really attracted to the relationship aspect of being someone's personal pharmacist, being someone that they could rely on and really trust and reach out to when they really needed help the most. So I, I knew, and as I said, I have this philosophy of uh, if other people are doing it, I don't want to sell myself short. I'm confident that I can do it. Mm -hmm. And I had the fortune of working at a pharmacy where I had a tremendous mentor. In fact, a couple of mentors at that pharmacy. Uh, and <clears throat> so when I graduated pharmacy school, I, where, where most of my friends were looking to get their first job. Uh, I was really eager and interested to be a pharmacy owner. And that can that can happen two ways. You can start a pharmacy from scratch mm -hmm. or you can acquire a pharmacy that is already in existence. And most existing uh, established communities, uh, it's it's more challenging to start a pharmacy from scratch in an established community versus, going to an area or being in an area where there's significant growth, 
people moving in, new people living in a community that are searching for a pharmacy, that might be an area where you could start one from scratch and uh, be successful. At the end of the day, you could be successful anywhere, just rules of thumb. Sure. Uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania is a really, really old community, not a lot of growth, a lot of history. And so I wanted to stay here with my family. And after a couple of years of searching, I found a pharmacy that was essentially on the market. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, along with my father, uh, approached the business owners, my now partners, Dan and Jen Asty, and we negotiated to actually buy half of their business. Oh. And that came about in uh, the journey started in about 2012 and we closed on our deal in about 2014. Awesome. Fantastic. What a great story. So tell us um, a little bit more about your company. How do you, uh, how do you uh, serve your, your customers and what sure. makes you guys unique? Yeah. So from that time in 2014, the pharmacy is called Asti's South Hills Pharmacy, uh, and it's named after my partners, Dan and Jen Asti, who they have a great story as well. They actually started that pharmacy from scratch in 2005, grew it to really very highly impressive and unique volumes. And then my father and I stepped in as that it became a really large burden for them to bear on their own as owners. So they cashed out a portion of their business. Uh, we paid them uh, for, for, for half of the business. And since that time, the pharmacy has grown. Uh, as a retail pharmacy, we service traditional prescriptions where folks walk in, get their prescriptions filled. But we really have stepped up our services to be more than just a place where people come to get their prescriptions. We, we offer a variety of other enhanced services to make their life easier using medications. Services like home delivery, where we'll have one of our employees hand deliver their medications to someone's home. We offer medication compounding. So when medications are either not available or a formulation just doesn't exist, think of a child that can't swallow a tablet or a capsule making that a liquid for them or preparing a cream from medications that just don't exist as a commercially available product. It's a very patient specific preparation that we mix in a, in a certified laboratory called a compounding lab. Hmm. We offer special packaging for patients to help them remember to take their meds appropriately. If you think if you have anyone or listeners that have any, uh, family members that take more than three, four, five medications, it can be difficult to remember what to take, when to take it. And most people often have a little pillbox that once a week they fill up their little pillbox at home and they take their meds. Our pharmacy provides essentially a disposable pillbox that our staff fills on their behalf. Oh, wow. So <clears throat> a number of services aimed to improve health building relationships with our customers and patients. And that business has grown to where we've added a couple other pharmacies. One is a pharmacy that is a closed door pharmacy servicing nursing homes and uh, assisted living facilities uh, where nurses or aides help patients take their meds directly. We also have a pharmacy located in a medical clinic that services the patients of that clinic and uh, is dedicated for 
the management, treatment, and prevention of STDs. Mm -hmm. And we also started a specialty pharmacy in 2016. And a specialty pharmacy, our specialty pharmacy is licensed in all 50 states. And we're dual accredited with the highest accrediting bodies for that industry. And it focuses on high cost and highly complex therapies that are used to treat rare diseases, in some cases, cancer, cystic fibrosis, some conditions that uh, where these therapies can be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars per patient per year. And they require expert clinical knowledge, as well as really, you know, strong logistical handling of drugs that are very temperature sensitive, et cetera. So a lot going on within all of these pharmacies servicing unique, unique patient, uh, you know, patient clientele, and it's all aimed at bringing value to the patients, to their providers, to their families, and uh, to other stakeholders in the pharmacy industry. Fantastic. Wow. What a, a breadth of, of awesome services to be able to help the community. I, I love that you guys are, sounds like you're really thinking differently about how to, how to serve your customers in a way that meets their needs. For sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, when you come to the realization part, part of the, the reality here is that if you don't have experience dealing with a complex medication regimen, we have some patients that take 20 different medications per day. When you experience the challenge of navigating that, uh, you really appreciate any type of help managing your meds. And that's kind of the niche that we're focused on. We, we're not going to be the most convenient drive-through, you know, transactional pharmacy, but we have demonstrated that if you're looking for personal, dedicated, high-quality service and services to help you be healthier, our pharmacy, you know, really our niche is taking care of that part of the community and it's proven to be very uh, successful so far. Fantastic. So um, Chris, tell us uh, what, share a story of where someone pushed you or inspired you that you could do it, even though maybe you didn't think you could and the impact that that person had on you. Yeah. I mean, I can think of a few uh, a few people that fell into that category. And I would say that the most profound would probably be my business partner, Dan Asti. And coming into the pharmacy prior to purchasing it, uh, when you looked at the pharmacy on paper, it was almost unbelievable that a pharmacy in a little community uh, in the South Hills of Pittsburgh was doing the kind of things that this pharmacy was doing. And in fact, it's interesting because I, I needed to secure a loan to purchase this business, right? It was a big loan because the pharmacy was of, in the you know highest tier of performers nationally. I mean, this was not a small pharmacy when I came in and became a partner. And when I was talking and working with the bank, it's a bank that was really dedicated to uh, pharmacy businesses and a couple other healthcare uh, verticals, dentistry, et cetera. And they had pharmacists that were former pharmacy owners, experts in pharmacy that did their diligence before 
they released a loan. They weren't going to loan a pharmacist money to buy a business unless they knew that it was good and it was all, you know, they did all of their diligence. And I remember to do that, they wanted to do a secret shopping experience at the pharmacy and really see what was going on. Because when they look at it on paper, they said, this is just not a pharmacy you typically see. Something's not right. <laughs> yeah. And when they walked into that pharmacy, uh, they had a mind-blowing experience. Mm. And when they that later that day, I got a call from one of the these loan officers, these gentlemen from this gentleman from the bank, and he said, you know, I was I've been telling you all along that something's not quite right here. There's there's gotta be something that is that is, you know, not good that I, I I'm questioning giving you this loan. Uh, but I don't have that concern anymore. After walking in that pharmacy, Dan Asty is among the most impressive pharmacists I've ever seen wow. ever. Uh, and I, he says, I've seen a lot of pharmacists. I've been in mo more pharmacies than most. And I can see how and why that pharmacy is as successful as it is. And when, when he shared that with me, I mean, I got excited because I said, I, you know, I had that feeling. I knew that this was <laughs> right, yeah. special and I wanted to be a part of it. And I could tell that at that time, a person can materially influence uh, a successful business in a really, really big way. And it's not a super complicated formula. Mm. It's, it's more simple than that. And especially in pharmacy, uh, it's really about relationships and your ability to build them, maintain them, and give above all else. It's not about receiving. It's really about giving. And that's what breeds loyalty with your patients, your provider relationships, and everyone else. Wow, that is cool. So, Chris, what's your biggest learning as a business owner? My biggest learning is that, and this comes back to the, the, to the point in the story I just shared about people. Yeah. Uh, business is really highly dependent. Any business is highly dependent on the people in the business mm -hmm. because there there's really no easy path to success. There's no easy button. You know, you often look out and you say, wow, that person is successful or they've done it. Uh, they had it easy. There's really no easy pathway to success because you're inundated with barriers and challenges <clears throat> that require you to get, you know, think critically, get creative, lean on others, ask for help to, to overcome. And the quality of your people that are supporting you, your co-owners or your management team, your employees, I, I like to call them co-workers. They're not really employees, even though I employ them, they're really co-workers, uh, those individuals really make it possible to be successful. And when that isn't working well, uh, you really feel a lot of pain. Mm. So just the, the amount of value that your people play into running a successful business is, has been a really eye-opening experience. And I, and I see that not only with my businesses, but I even see that within large corporations that I interface with, large companies, uh, you know, 
they're almost an enigma when you think of big brands, companies that you see every single day that, you know what, it's run by people. And I'm sure you're familiar with the book, Good to Great. It talks about how individual people have transformed businesses from good to great. And I feel that even as a small business owner, it's really critical on a daily basis. Yeah. You can definitely see the difference as a consumer uh, when you're interacting with companies that believe in that philosophy that, you know, yeah. people and relationships are the most important. And you can tell the the companies that invest in team development and training and relationship building and and that the the customer experience is is critical for the long-term health of the business. And so right, you can you can definitely experience that as a consumer of companies that believe in that philosophy and companies who don't seem to care. Right. Yeah. And I mean I do my best to reflect on how I would feel about a certain engagement. And oftentimes it's the little things that change an entire experience. We're all humans and we rely on human interaction to get us through the day. It's not easy, but we, you know, there's, there's a the phrase and you, I'm sure you hear this, you know, a million times that, you know, the customer is always right. The reality is the customer's not always right, but you don't have to punish them when they're wrong. The goal is I'm provide, I'm here to, to help you. I, I need to help you. And I use a, a skill and I tell this to everyone, uh, the most valuable skill I think anyone can have really in any business. And arguably, I think this is a, just a life lesson is motivational interviewing. And I'm not an expert on motivational interviewing, but uh, it's something that I learned at school and I give credit to the University of Pittsburgh. They they put us through a class on motivational interviewing. It's a skill set that if you want someone to do something uh, or you want a certain outcome there, as opposed to being direct and being, you know, right in your face about it. For example, you're a smoker and I want you to quit smoking, telling you you're going to die or you're going to get cancer. <laughs> it's not good for you. That's not a way to really get you to the end point. You're going to reject that almost every time. But helping you see a different perspective by dropping breadcrumbs in front of you to see that perspective is a far more successful strategy. And that applies not just to smoking cessation. It really applies to various aspects of life. And I think that we we at least do our best to make that realization, help our employees understand that and help them to be better servants to our customers, our patients, because we're here to serve. That's my belief. And uh, we can do that with dignity. We can do that with, you know, with both pride and humility. Uh, But at the end of the day, uh, those relationships, and it's these little things that we do to improve the experience, completely transform, uh, you know, they've transformed our business. And the magic that happens in that is that people are willing to pay more when they're treated better, right? So I have a lot of business owners who, right, are are worried about being the best price. And it's like, well, if you do the things that you're talking about, Chris, you know, the price uh, starts to not matter, 
right? It's like, I'm, I'm willing to pay a few pennies more, right? Or, or, or a dollar more or whatever it happens to be to be treated like a human and know that somebody cares about me and they're paying attention to me, right? And they remember me and, right? Right. and they have records and can go back and like, they're making my life easier. So it's like, you know what, that, that additional service and care is, is worth something. And, and most people are willing to pay for that additional service. That's right. And I think that it's, you know, not everybody, there's, there's a subset of the population that really values uh, convenience and cost over the relationship. And a good friend of mine, a good colleague, his name's Trip Logan. He's a, he's a phenomenal, tremendous pharmacist and pharmacy owner out of Missouri. He, uh, a couple of years ago, he did a presentation at a conference and uh, I, I reference this frequently. He said that some people need a pharmacy just need a, a destination to get a product and other people need a pharmacist mm. and our value for the services that we provide are for the people that need a pharmacist yeah. that appreciate having my cell phone that they can call or text me i spent you know 20 minutes on the phone with a dear customer yesterday who accidentally spilled hot tea on herself she went to the emergency room and she got medications and she just didn't, it, it didn't feel right. So she wanted my opinion and I gave her a few recommendations and she said, I just love you. You're, you're she called me doc. She said, I know you don't want to be called doc, even though I have my doctor of pharmacy. Uh, I said, listen, I'm just here to help you. If I can help you, that's what I'm here for. And there's not a, you can't put a price on that. And it's not that I, you know, I, I, my business takes advantage of that, but it's, there's value to yeah. individuals on that type of service and access. Yes. And uh, those are the people that we're really proud to have, to be able to serve really. Uh, I love that story. Uh, and, and there's going to be a ripple effect because she's going to tell her friends about what an For incredible sure. experience she had. Yeah. That's awesome. So Chris, we know that business success doesn't happen in isolation. So tell us about one of your biggest challenges um, during the years as a business owner and, and maybe a fellow business owner that came alongside of you to help you through that challenge? Yeah, I would say that it's actually along my journey uh, as I was a, trying to be a business owner where I, uh, the long version of the story is that whenever I was initially going to buy the, the business, I actually had intentions of acquiring the whole business. I mentioned my father and I, uh, we bought half of the business but that was actually after our original deal fell through and we were going on this journey uh, and there, because it was a big deal, uh, bigger than the average pharmacy deal, uh, I had to get a few parties involved mm -hmm. to essentially fund the deal. I had a bank, that bank I referenced gave me their max loan that they could give in the scenario, but I still needed more mm -hmm. uh, capital and that additional party was actually a, a pharmaceutical wholesaler that in the 11th hour, they pulled out of the deal. And it was later, you know, there was some, uh, I don't know if it's vindication or whatnot, but later they admitted that it was a big mistake that they did that. And they, they, they came forward and, and regretted, admitted, admitted that they, uh, they had made a mistake and regretted it. But at the time, uh, I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. I was really disappointed. And 
I, you know, I thought that I was going to go, it was a, it's a long time coming. I'd put countless hours into preparing to being right. a business owner in my mid twenties. That's just not typical for a pharmacy owner to, to go and, you know, at 25, 26 years old to, to become a pharmacy owner, because generally most people say I need to work in the industry for, you know, a decade or so before I get comfortable. I was chasing my dream and it was, it had really fallen apart. Uh, but one of my mentors, uh, his name's Jerry O'Hare. He uh, he had been really there by my side, helping me to achieve my goal. I told him I wanted to be a pharmacy owner, and he he truly, I mean, he's a, just an incredible human being. Uh, he gave me every inch of his resources to help me be successful, and he essentially told me, you know, the the it's not over. This is not done. We got there's plenty there's plenty of ways for us to figure this out. Uh, and that led me to go to my now business partner. And uh, after the deal had fallen through, I mean, I would say that it was devastating for me. It was even more devastating for my prospective, uh, you know, seller, my partner uh, at this uh, at this pharmacy. But I went to him and I said, you know, this is not done. We will just find another way. And after spending more time together, he realized that he didn't really want to sell all of his business. Uh, <laughs> and I said, you know what, as I look at this, this is a pretty big nut. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't buy all of it. Yeah. And that's what led us to buy half of the business. We relieved significant burden from my now partners. Yeah. Uh, they cashed out a little bit and we were able to, that, that decision transformed the trajectory, I think, of my career and all of our futures because, you know, owning 100% of, uh, of something is meaningful and great, but having partners, if you can figure out the partnership, which yeah. a lot of people can't, unfortunately, yeah. but having partners and being successful in a partnership is, has proven to be tremendously meaningful. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for how things happen. Everything happens for a reason, as they say. And uh, as a, you know, as a, you know, a devout Christian, I, I believe that God has been guiding and helping me along the way, every single step of the way. What I love about that story is the, the, the advice that, hey, don't give up, right? It's, this isn't a failure. It's just a learning moment. So one of our, uh, one of the things that our founder says is that he never fails. He either succeeds or learns, I right? love so, that. I love that. So that that story reminded me of that. It's like, okay, well, option A, right, didn't work. So what can we learn from this? How can we adapt and pivot? And and uh, it sounds like option B ended up actually being the better option for you overall in your in your journey. So what a, an incredible story. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, I think that the the point that resonates with me on what you just said is that resilience mm -hmm. is a characteristic of successful entrepreneurs yeah. you you will get kicked in the face <laughs> yeah, right. you, there is no like i said there's no easy path yeah. but it's that was my first lesson in building resilience mm -hmm. because when you see such a major letdown you feel like you said like you failed you're at the end of the road yeah. i get i tried but it was that trigger that really ignited a fire that no this isn't over yeah. we just have learned one way that it's not going to work yeah. We now have a whole slew of options in front of us and that I, that fire has yet to be extinguished. And I can't see living without that really that fire of 
uh, resilience burning deep within me. Yes, I love that resilience. My coach in my first uh, couple years of owning this business, the thing that she would say to me constantly is, Tim, it's all about being persistent and consistent. Yeah. Because to your point, right, it, it being a business owner is can be hard and there are lots of hurdles and and unknowns and and uh, so so when I would get discouraged and frustrated she's like just keep doing what you're doing right you're doing the right things it's just going to take time and and because I was paying her I had to trust what she was saying because I couldn't see it on my own but that's why I had hired her to help me right navigate through this uh, unknown and and so I your your resilience I'm I'm gonna uh, internalize that because I like that word. That is definitely a key thing for business owners to be successful. Love it. So Chris, if I uh, asked you to pick three people in your business owner journey that you're most grateful for being there for you and helping with your business growth, who are those three people and how'd they help you? Yeah, I would say there are a lot of people. Uh, I can name 10 people, more than 10 people. Uh, but in the in the journey of the, you know, my evolution from, honestly, a lot of people didn't even think I would get into pharmacy school. I didn't think I would get into pharmacy school. (laughs) I got in, I graduated. uh, And most people would not have pegged me to be, you know, a business owner and go and own my own pharmacy. Uh, But so early in my career, really, the gentleman I referenced, Jerry O'Hare, uh, has had a profound impact on me. Uh, he, I would say, showed me that you can do the right thing, sometimes to a fault. Uh, generosity. He, he's the most generous person I've ever met. Uh, he would literally, I know people say this statement, they give the shirt off his back to you. Uh, the guy gives until it hurts. Uh, and being able to observe him and watch him and learn from him as a six, 15, 16 year old kid, uh, all the way up through, uh, my graduation from college. And then even beyond that, uh, he's literally been since that time, since I was 15 years old, he's been a person that I can go to with confidence that has has provided me immense guidance and even to this day still gives me great advice as as recent as last week uh gave me just such great advice that's worked out really favorably for me so jerry o'hare falls in that category the same uh time the pharmacist that i worked under as an intern who really taught me so much her name's samantha pizzarella uh sam was my preceptor the pharmacist that I learned under and who signed off on my internship hours. Okay. She, uh, she is just, blo- she blew me away as a kid. Uh, and she's only a couple years older than me. Uh, <laughs> but she happened to be uh, really integral, I think, in my growth and maturity as a pharmacy student. She helped me get through pharmacy school. Uh, and she is just an incredible, talented pharmacist. She she understands clinical. She understands business, uh, and she is tenacious. She she taught me that it's okay to not want to lose ever. Uh, she, <laughs> if I were to put use one word to describe her, she's a winner, and she is tenacious. She does not want to lose. She will not lose, 
And uh, she, in that whole, you know, discussion on resilience, I would say uh, resilience, she, she embodies resilience as well. And then lastly, I would really put my partners, uh, Dan and Jen Asti, in that category of really, I'm grateful for, for what they've done, uh, specifically because they don't need to be working in the pharmacy. And over the years, they've not needed to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, they could have given their time and said, you know what, I'm going to take a step back. Uh, but after getting a big check from my dad and I uh, on the loan that we were able to secure to buy half the business, uh, they have stuck it out. And it's still today, like they don't need to be there, yet they are there grinding every day in the trenches, uh, dealing with the challenges of our industry. Uh, and so, and there's so much I've learned from all of these people. And and the honorable mention goes to my business manager, Amy Wilhelm, who uh, she's, she's, she's not, she doesn't own the pharmacy, but everybody would think she does because she's literally there all the time. Awesome. Uh, she's, she reminds me of the human aspect of employee management, but this greater team, not to mention my, my father and business partner, uh, I just can't imagine being anywhere near where I am today without the profound impact that all of these folks have had. I'm, I'm immensely grateful to all of them. So as you think of the next three to five years, Chris, um, what are some of the, what are the biggest challenges that you see that you guys are going to face in reaching your goals and who are the types of people that you're going to need to overcome those challenges? Yeah, the, it's interesting. Healthcare uh, is evolving and it is, there's no, I don't think there's any larger uh, area of healthcare that has more attention and focus than pharmacy. Medications are a huge part of our total cost of healthcare. Uh, Canada is involved and implicated in the, uh, the drama of the pharmacy supply chain as, uh, you know, Americans are getting their medication, some of them from, you know, across the border from Canada. Uh, but a lot of meds, even in Canada, like I mentioned, these high cost specialty medications in Canada and other parts of the world are still really expensive. Mm -hmm. And we see a lot of vertical integration in the healthcare system where you have uh, pharmacy benefit managers, which transact claims between pharmacies and payers like health plans or employers pharmacy benefit managers are uh, buying or they already own pharmacies and they're buying or they're being acquired by major health plans mm -hmm. so when you think of verticals like Aetna the insurance company CVS Caremark the PBM uh, now under the umbrella CVS Health because mm -hmm. CVS acquired Aetna. They own retail pharmacies, mail order pharmacies, specialty pharmacies. That type of vertical integration uh, you know, is present across multiple different organizations like United Healthcare and Cigna. And they all want to own down to the transaction level like us at the pharmacy level. And so unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of I, I, 
I have to have contracts with these health plans to be able to fill prescriptions for my customers. Right. But that requires me to have a contract with them that dictates the terms of reimbursement and other terms surrounding our business relationship. It's challenging when you have to sign a contract that governs your reimbursement and other business terms sure. when that entity is also your competitor. Uh, so <laughs> there is a lot of anti-competition where in some cases, people that want to use my pharmacy, that prefer to use my pharmacy are actually forced to use another pharmacy. Mm. And that dynamic is uh, is a challenge that's been affecting the pharmacy industry uh, and specifically pharmacy owners uh, for several years now, but it's really getting worse and more challenging. And so our our reality is that we we may not have the ability to service many of the patients that we've uh, taken care of for, in some cases, generations. Mm. And uh, really, the way that we get out of this is to uh, evolve our business model and think of new ways to engage with our customers uh, and continue to service them. I think we, while we are certainly nowhere near big enough to get vertical, uh, there are some strategic partnerships and alignments that that we can establish where we can continue to work with a subset of the population that isn't bound by some of these restrictive and anti-competitive policies until such a time where, you know, our government, which is supposed to protect us from these types of monopolies uh, until they actually figure it out and, uh, and intervene. And it's like one of your former guests, Nathan Gabhart, uh, he is in a separate segment of that supply chain mm -hmm. and partnering with individuals like Nathan, engaging with him and his peers at that level, as well as health plans and other other components of this, you know, supply chain, that is really how I think we can carve out our place in the industry because we offer a unique experience. Mm -hmm. It's more than just about getting a medication, right? It's about the total experience of the services that I offered. Not everybody needs those services, but those that do are at a severe disservice if we do not provide them access. And that's really what we're out there advocating for. Wow, significant uh, significant things to overcome in the coming years. So that it sounds like you guys are, you know, you and some of your your peers and colleagues, you you've got different avenues to to sort through it. So, uh, really? wish you tremendous uh, success in in that. Jim Rohn said that if that we become the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. So, as you think about that, Chris, what advice do you have for business owners who? feel like they they need to do it on their own or they're trying to build their business on their own and without seeking help from others? I think that uh, I, I never doubt the, the fire and inspiration within one individual. I don't know their journey and I'll, I'll, it's really impossible to know all the intimate details of what makes a person tick. But what I do know is that it is really difficult to know everything. Mm. You cannot be an expert in everything. And you mere, you simply do not have the bandwidth. There's <laughs> not enough hours in the day. There are not enough hours in the day to yeah. do everything, literally. So uh, 
there are some things that you can do just solo and kind of go with the flow and organically grow. Uh, but to really develop an, a true independent business that can support and sustain uh, your life, assuming that most people have to work uh, <laughs> to earn an income to get through life, uh, to get to that point, you really need help and support. Mm -hmm. And I would say that don't be afraid to, to give equity for value. The only caution that I make is that when you do that, really the only reason I see that our my partnership has prospered when most of my colleagues in my circle say, I, you know, I, I could never do it. I had a partnership. It was it was horrible. My one close friend says that, the, you know, you know, the only uh, ship that sinks is a partnership. And he highly advises against partners because it can be challenging. Yeah. But if you find individuals that are philosophically aligned with you, that will do the right thing above all else, it's worth having them on board. And I think that was one of the most, you know, enlightening experiences, as I mentioned, when my deal fell through and I, you know, I was going to be a sole owner, uh, having other people to lean on, to idea generate, to be responsible for certain components of your business, like finance or like growth and marketing or operations. As your business grows, it's, you're going to have to have diverse thought and uh, you really, you, you're never going to have enough time to do that by yourself. And it's pretty much impossible, as I said, to be an expert. So I, I can't imagine, and I, 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 I would be surprised to find anybody that would say they have built this very successful business and they did it without anyone's help. I just don't, <laughs> I don't think that exists. Awesome. Chris, uh, it sounds like you've been blessed with some incredible people who have been part of your journey. If they were all on the show here today, what would you want to say to them? Just thank you. Thank you for, for teaching me. Uh, in some cases, they don't even know they're teaching me, but they're teaching me. I try to be a sponge and soak up every little detail of any interactions. Uh, I'd say, you know, I'm looking forward to the next journey because I want to do it with these people. And, and I'm taking those steps to do that. I think being successful with others, uh, it's kind of like there's everybody, it's, it's fun to be get, to get, receive a gift, but it's also, I think when you, when you experience giving a gift, mm -hmm. the joy of giving a gift and watching someone really love and appreciate and value that gift, uh, I, I think is far far better of an experience than receiving. And so I think that my goal is to ensure that I'm giving back uh, to those individuals and then also to other individuals. I'm on, I'm on a kick now where, uh, you know, having kids and teaching them lessons, aside from the business side of the equation, uh, there are a lot of people that are suffering and struggling uh, out there. You think of now, I mean, especially in Canada, uh, but here in southwestern Pennsylvania, it gets cold. It was in the 20s. I yeah. think of the people that are outside that don't have a warm home to go to, that uh, don't have warm food. You know, I sit in my office and it's, you know, in the 70 degrees in my house and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> I think it's make sure you're helping people. 
and I want to to work with my people to to help those around us that are less fortunate. I think that's got to be a guiding light uh, because success on an island is not it's not that fun, right? <laughs> Chris, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Tim. Thanks for what you're doing, bringing awareness and helping folks realize uh, that, you know, there are a lot of people in their lives they may not even realize have helped them get to where they are. And they, as an individual, can help a lot of, of, of other people as well. Thank you. To everyone who tuned in, thanks for listening to the Self-Made is a Myth show with your host, Coach Tim Campbell. Be sure to help us spread this movement by liking the show and posting about it on your social media. To join our movement, go to BeMadTogether.com. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Make sure to pay it forward, and I'll see you all next time. Take care.